Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is May 22nd, and on this day in history, in 1761, in Philadelphia, the first life insurance policy was issued in the United States. On this day in 1849, Abraham Lincoln received a patent for the floating dry dock. What the hell is that? Who the hell knows? On this day in 1868, near Marshfield, Indiana, the Great Train Robbery took place. The robbery was worth $96,000 in cash, gold, and bonds to the seven members of the Reno Gang. On this day in 1891, the first public motion picture was given in Thomas Edison's lab. Lab, not lap. On this day in 1892, Dr. Washington Sheffield invented the toothpaste tube. On this day in 1900, the Associated Press was incorporated as a non-profit news cooperative right here in New York. On this very day in 1906, the Wright brothers received a patent for their, quote, flying machine. End quote. On this day in 1939, Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini signed a military alliance between Germany and Italy known as the Pact of Steel, also the Pact of Evil. On this day in 1955, a, schedule, a scheduled dance to be headlined by Fats Domino was canceled by police in Bridgeport, Connecticut because, quote, rock and roll dances might be featured. Oh my God. On this day in 1967, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood premiered on PBS. On this day in 1985, Pete Rose passed Hank Aaron as National League run-scoring leader with 2,108. And last, but of course not least, on this day in 1992, Johnny Carson hosted NBC's Tonight Show, Tonight Show, for the last time ever. He had, host, he had been the host for 30 solid years, and David Letterman was supposed to take over, but he didn't. Jay Leno did, and the rest, as they say, sucked. Oh well, Dave Letterman went to CBS, everything was fine. The Late Show was always better than The Tonight Show anyway, and it certainly is now, because Jimmy Fallon likes to do a little talent show and Stephen Colbert is smart. Okay, that's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No, but it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I say that every week because I feel like that's true every week. Before we get into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear an item you would like to discuss or feel there's a tidbit that you could contribute to the show, by all means, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. Again, that's 718-928-9RFB-9732. Or if you don't want to be heard on the air because you're a little bashful, no problem, you can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall, you can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, If you feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you before we get on to the important cool stuff is that all episodes of The Next Best Thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it, I just get a little excited because it's huge. If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, which, come on, let's be honest, you miss most of them, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in The Next Best Thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes... Rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy. Do whatever you got to do to spread the word because the word of mouth is how we grow. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. All right. Oh, holy crap. You know, it's funny. I do start the show every week by saying, holy crap, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I say that every week because I do say that every week. Literally, I do. But boy, crazy has a whole new meaning 
after the week that just was. Holy Mother of God, what the hell is going on here? Truly, I mean, I mean, if it was written, it would seem... Well, actually, it has been written. I feel like I've seen you've seen movies. What's that movie, Dave, with Kevin Klein, where some jackass becomes president? There's a movie with the guys who did Monty Python, where literally a houseman who's mentally not all there, never went to school, doesn't know anything, in other words, becomes a huge political star because he just says total common cliches and tropes and stupid sayings that people who are really highfalutin listen to and they think, oh my God, that is brilliant. We had never thought of that before. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we don't have some nice gleeful idiot in the White House. We have a very calculated evil dumbass. Still dumb, but calculated and evil. Evil. No. <laughs> But before we get into what Donald Trump has done to destroy our country and perhaps destroy the world, let's talk about me for just a second. Because, hey, I don't know what I was going to say after that. Hey, uh, I am sorry, but on my way here tonight, I ran into one of those situations where you're sitting on the subway and that's it. No, I'm kidding. The subway does suck, but it's made worse by certain things. One of them is people who apparently had forgotten their headphones or forgotten, well, their headphones, really, because, okay, if I forget my headphones when I go out for the day, I'm not going to lie, it's a huge pain in the ass, and the second I realize I've forgotten my headphones, I do get a twinge of regret and think, oh, god damn it, now I'm going to have to go through the day, be on the subway, walk the sidewalks, exist without anything to listen to. What the hell am I going to do? Never once do, does the thought cross my mind of, well, I forgot my headphones, so I guess I'll just blare it out for the world to hear. Because I know everyone on this subway train wants to hear my podcast that I'm listening to or is dying to hear this playlist I made for myself. Wrong! No one wants to hear your playlist. No one wants to listen to your podcast. Even if on the off chance you happen to like the same podcasts other people like, no one wants to listen to it through your phone on the subway. I don't understand these people. These people with their phones, with their perhaps boom boxes, if it's the 90s, who knows, who just think, oh yeah, I'll just blast this because, hey, these people are lucky. They get to hear my jams. No one wants to hear your jams. When I see people doing that, when I hear people doing that, I just want to walk up to them and be like, tap, tap, tap. Excuse me. Excuse me. Forgot your headphones? Sorry to hear that. I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. One thing I don't think is that we should all have to deal with that. Turn your goddamn music down. Turn it off. We all hate you. Am I being too strong? Do I? Am I being too? Did I take it too far? I don't think so. That's just one of those things that when people do that, I'm like, what, what, the, what the hell are you doing? Do you not see the other people here? You're not in your bedroom. You're not in your bedroom. You're not in your kitchen. Okay. But you know what? In addition to things that annoy me, there are some other things going on in the world, some of which might even be a little bit, and I do mean just a little bit, more important. Okay, so the week that was. Oh boy, was there a week. Yeah, there was a week. Donald Trump, truly, for this show, we haven't done it quite as much lately, but the first segment we used to always do on this show, The Next Best Thing, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, 
is go over what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world for the past week or so, ever since the last broadcast. You understand. We haven't done it necessarily every show in the past month because we've had other things going on. But when I did that throughout the week, as I was watching the news, reading the news, keeping up with the news, I would jot down things that stood out to me, jot down things that I thought were interesting and worth talking about on the show. Well, as that segment has kind of floundered a bit, I haven't been keeping as I haven't been keeping James Comey type notes, if you know what I mean. And so, you know, if we get to talk about new stuff, I'll just if I haven't gotten to keep notes, I'll just quickly spout out the things that I know happened that week and the things that I think are worthy of talking about. And I'll forget stuff because that's what happens when the human brain has time between something that happens and sometime it's recalled. But this week, even if I had kept James Comey type notes, you couldn't possibly. It feels like last Monday was 16 years ago. 16 years ago. So anywho, having said that, and by the way, obviously, Keeping notes or not, we don't get to necessarily talk about things that happen 10 minutes before this show or an hour before this show. Having said that, I just want to say that uh, we don't know if it's a terrorist attack or what, but there is a an Ariana Grande concert that was supposed to be taking place in Europe, in the UK, and a bomb or something exploded, and 19 people have been killed. And so I just want to say that we obviously are thinking about that and... Hoping for the best. I don't know what the best is once something like that has already taken place, but I just wanted to point that out. Okay, let's talk about Donald Trump's week because, hey, whenever you're feeling like your week's going poorly, just remember this. Actually, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before we get into Donald Trump's week, I do. Uh, there's something I forgot that I have to uh, point out. Last week, if you'll recall, I had a guest call in named Daniel Zimberg. Daniel's a great guy. It's up on iTunes now. You can access it as the podcast. The podcast episode is called Bernie Bro, and it's accessible through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, all that crap. So however you listen to podcasts, it's there. Look it up. We had a nice conversation. He and I see things very differently. We've, we've established all that. Since that conversation, we've been kind of chatting here and there through texts and Facebook and whatnot, kind of just following up on how we felt about stuff and kind of continuing the conversation one thing that, and I've said this to Dan since, that really stood out to me that's happened between last week's show and this week's show was a conversation Bill Maher had on his show, Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO, a conversation he had with Cornell West, a fairly regular guest uh, on that show, who is a black activist, a real civil rights activist and leader, and an intellectual, I think, is actually something that is in his is what Bill introduces him as, but I think that his conversation, the two, the conversation between him and Bill Maher, perfectly represent the two stances that Daniel and I were taking last week, and that Dan and I still strongly feel now. We didn't really move each other at all. It didn't seem like, and I just want to play it for you because honestly, I think they actually kind of broke it down pretty plainly, more so than he and I did. This is what it comes all down to. This is what. It's all about. I would say that in this in this context, I'm Bill Maher, and Dan is Cornell West. And you know what? They look so much alike. Dan gets mistaken for Cornell West on the street all the time, anyway. So this is perfect. Here's their conversation. Here's the beginning of their conversation. I thought when you went into the police department, you understood that there was some danger in this job. 
I don't know where they got this idea that if I fear at all, I am allowed to shoot you. But that seems what's happening. And by the way, Trump is all for it, and Hillary Clinton wouldn't have been. So, as someone who said they were equally awful, no, I'd like... I didn't say equally yes, awful. Yes, you did. I said one was a disaster, another was a catastrophe. Exactly my but a, point. But How a disaster is, is better than a catastrophe. Well, that point was lost. <laughs> oh, man, that oh stop but, 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 let, Let's keep the focus where it belongs. The police have well, yet to go to jail when they end up committing violence and murdering these young black brothers and sisters. Right. But Hillary's first speech was about mass Hillary gave speeches about all kind of stuff, but it didn't have a whole lot of integrity in it, though, brother. That was that, that's such bullshit. That's not bullshit at all. Really? Look you, how they you, treated Bernie Sanders, man. They treated about the Russians. Look how they treated Bernie Sanders. The, yeah. Bernie would have won if he had a chance. He would have won if he had a chance. All right, I just have to stop it right there to say something. That comment, Bernie would have won if he had the chance. That is horseshit, and it doesn't even matter because guess what? Bernie lost the primary. Bernie lost the nomination to Hillary Clinton. So saying that he would have beaten Donald Trump is a non-starter because in order to have had the chance to beat Donald Trump, he would have had to beat Hillary Clinton, who he didn't beat. All this shit about it being fraudulently won and how the DNC kind of conjured and schemed so that Hillary could get the nomination instead of Bernie is complete crap. As I said to Dan last week, I get that Debbie Washerman Schultz and some other people on the DNC had a preference and therefore in their private emails probably said some things that didn't sit right with Bernie supporters or with Bernie himself. I get that. I understand that. I agree with that. It wouldn't have looked great. Having said that, nothing they said in their emails, no preference that Debbie Washerman Schultz had. Having a preference is not the same as rigging the primary. That didn't happen, okay? So Bernie lost the primary, so saying he would have beaten Trump is, well, it's kind of like saying, oh, you know, dang, Atlanta lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. But I know, I really know that had they gotten there, the Seahawks would have beaten them. Who gives a crap? The Seahawks didn't get there, so it's irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Thank you. Let's hear the rest of their conversation. Shall we? I think we shall. Hello. Don't, don't defend Hillary. Hillary can't even take responsibility for the fact that she lost the election. To you. I take absolute personal responsibility. I was the candidate. I was the person uh, who was on the ballot. Okay, so another example. Uh, people just, I was not planning on inter, interspersing my own commentary here, but I'm going to do it because I'm doing it. Hillary can't even take responsibility for losing the election. Clearly that's horseshit, but does he care? No, it doesn't matter to him because it's what he feels, and so that's all that is real to him. Ugh, it's just annoying. Don't, don't defend Hillary. And, Hillary can't even take responsibility for the fact that she lost the election. To Look what you I take absolute personal responsibility. I was the candidate. I was the person... Uh, who was on the ballot. Get to him. Oh, everybody, but, yeah. everybody but, he, but he's so, so don't, wrong. Don't, don't try Hillary he, out on he, me. He, he's, he's so wrong. Oh, no, no, no. He's right, so wrong. Right. She's if, better than Trump, yeah. but don't, don't lie about the sister. Just She's better than Trump. That's all I'm saying. A lot better than Trump <laughs> in so many ways. And just, just that, on this, that, 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 that just take too much. Just, that doesn't take too much. Who is it better than Trump? <laughs> That's not an answer. It's glib. It's beneath That's you. Not, no, it's for not someone who's such, for someone who's such an intellectual, that is that answer is beneath you.
Let me tell you why it's not. It's precisely because when I ask you, would you vote for, for, for Donald Trump over David Duke, you say you wouldn't vote for either one. Remember I talk, yeah, Hillary is not David that? Duke. No, no, but it's this. If you're talking about Wall Street, if you're talking about militarism, if you're talking about dealing with folk in Honduras, she's light years better than him about all of them. All of those issues, Hillary is unacceptable. No, she is not unacceptable. She was. Why are we still arguing the last election? We got stuff going on. Because they haven't learned a lesson that we need to win the next election. No. That's why. All right. So there you have it. I mean, it's funny because not only does that inner action in my opinion perfectly represent the back and forth that dan zimberg and i had last week but it actually even goes further that perfectly represents the texting and facebook conversations we've been having since all in one talk about concise my whole point of even having the discussion with dan last week and he and he would agree we've talked about it since as i said i've said like five times now is I didn't have him on just to debate whether or not Hillary Clinton is great and a good candidate. I know she was a great candidate. He'll never think so. So that's that. Doesn't matter anyway. I didn't have him on here to relitigate the last election. The point I wanted to, the point I was trying to make was we have to find a way to understand each other's point of view and come up with a strategy, an understood strategy of what has to be done in order to win the next election. Because that's what matters now. That's the only thing that matters now. Okay, so that is really the point I was trying to make last week. And um, so if you want to know that point, go ahead and find Bernie Bro. Next best thing. It's the last episode that went up on our iTunes and whatnot. And go ahead and have a look at it yourself and you make see how you feel about it. All right, so moving right along here. Let's talk about Donald Trump's week that was. I don't think there's ever been a worse week for an American president. On Monday, last Monday, a week ago today, the Washington Post reported that President Trump, two words that should never be said back to back, he revealed highly classified information about an ISIS plot to Russian officials, Russian officials that he had invited into the Oval Office and was shooting the crap with, kicking back, laughing it up. And in the midst of all that, he revealed very, very, very highly classified information to these Russians, two Russian officials, one of whom is known to be a Russian spy. So, officials say that disclosure broke an agreement with an important ally in the Middle East and probably got someone killed within a day or two. That is a big, big deal. When that happened, someone who I saw on the news quite a bit was Leon Panetta. I hope and trust you all remember who Leon Panetta is and was. But if not, here's a quick reminder. And here's how he felt about... Leon Panetta is a very experienced, strong man. He has been the head of the CIA. He's worked on Homeland Security and Defense. He's a strong guy, and he's seen a lot. When you hear him talk in these few clips I'm going to play, just listen to how defeated and depressed he sounds about what has come of our country and our situation. Here we go. Come on, Leon, tell us. Served as CIA director, secretary of defense under President Obama, chief of staff under President Clinton. The president, he says, stop huffing and puffing. There is no house to blow down. I can legally declassify whatever I want, whenever I want. This was an open meeting. I had humanitarian interests. I had interests in getting Russia to fight ISIS more. That's why I did this. Move on. Acceptable? 
He is president of the United States. He is not a reality TV star. He's not uh, just another personality. He is president of the United States. There are serious responsibilities that relate to a president of the United States in terms of intelligence and security of this country. Uh, and he cannot just, you know, go ahead and reveal classified information. So you know, what bothers me here is that the president of the United States, I just think this president has to understand that he cannot just say whatever the hell he wants and expect that it doesn't carry consequences. I really think that President Trump has to deep down understand that he is president of the United States, that this isn't about the last election, this isn't about Democrats, Republicans, this is about being president of the United States and carrying huge responsibilities in terms of our country and our security. That's what he has to understand. How many times in there did you hear him say he is president of the United States? Honestly, I think in a way that was kind of just him trying to get that to sink in and trying to be like, okay, holy God, that's real. This happened. He is president of the United States, Donald Trump. Okay, okay. He has to understand that he is the president of the United States. Oh, my God. So that was kind of a general take on how things have been going for President Dumbass. And um, here's a more specific reaction he had to the leak, to what Donald Trump did last Monday. He cannot just go ahead and tweet. He cannot just say whatever the hell he wants. He's got to have some responsibility to the office and to the American people and to our national security. That's, what's, that's what the bottom line is here. Now, can, can he grow in this office? Can he understand these issues? Can he get better at it? God, we all pray that that's the case. But if he continues to operate this way, there are really serious questions about the credibility of the office and the trust the American people can have in this presidency. Listen to how panicked he sounds. He's like, this is, this is a real job. What the hell is happening? Who's going to stand up and do something about this? This is a guy who has seen deaths in wars this is a guy who has fought in battle and he can't believe what is happening and he said and very rightly that what's happening is and certainly will completely eat away at the credibility of the office of the united states both around the world and right here in america you know when, when the president speaks uh, when the white house speaks uh you assume that what is said is credible right uh, and that it's the truth do you trust what the White House is saying right now? <laughs> you know. All right. I think that answers it all. Do you trust the White House? <laughs> no, I don't think he does. Oh, I, you have to cross your fingers and, uh, and give it uh, 24 hours to see whether or not what they say is, in fact, the truth. Oh, well, that's a good position. That's a good place to be when it comes to the president of the United States. Do you trust him? Uh, giggle. Well, I mean, you cross your fingers and hope to God we're here tomorrow and not completely demolished. Good feeling. All right. Here's the last thing I'm going to play of Mr. Leon Panetta, because it is something that stuck with me very much, something I find very profound, and something I think, words that I think will, years and years down the road, seem very prophetic. Very prophetic. This president, any president, cannot run away from the truth. 
that ultimately the truth is going to show itself. Uh, it's always happened throughout history. Uh, and so regardless of what this president may or may not try to do to, to possibly influence this investigation, the bottom line is it is going to happen, and we will find the truth. And when we do, uh, hopefully, this country can continue to move on in terms of our democracy. You preach it, Leon Panetta. You go, sir. Thank you. You are welcome. You are so damn welcome. Moving right along. Yikes. Okay, so that was Monday that he released the classified information. On Tuesday of last week, well, the New York Times reported that on February 14th, President Trump asked the former FBI director, James Comey, to close the investigation into Michael Flynn. Remember Mike Flynn, who at the Democratic, or excuse me, at the Republican National Convention actually went on stage and said, yeah, lock her up, lock Hillary up, huh? He also said that, why do her aides need immunity? When you, when you ask for immunity, it means you committed a crime. Now, not only is he asking for immunity, but he is almost certainly committed very serious crimes. Multiple, multiple. So that's good. That's good. By the way, he was Mr. Trump's former national security advisor, according to a memo. No, excuse me. He was the national security advisor. The fact that Trump asked him to asked Comey to close the investigation into Lynn, well, that was revealed in a memo Mr. Comey wrote at the time. Now, Trump's words were, I hope you can let this go, according to that memo, parts of which were read to the Times by an associate of Mr. Comey's. Mr. Trump fired the FBI director last week, as we all know. Now, that alone is huge. And when did that happen? That happened two weeks ago. But this memo was revealed last Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, writing on Twitter, Trump declared that he had an absolute right to share facts with top Russian officials during a White House meeting, which he said was, Publicly scheduled. Publicly scheduled? That's interesting. That's a weird way of wording that, isn't it? Because it was publicly scheduled, but no American press were allowed in. And get this, for God's sake, Russian journalists were allowed in. What is going on here? Is this not insane? It's like everything that we were that you were hearing rumors of last summer about these Russians and collusion and all this crap. Not only has it probably been the case and is that probably what took place for real but now it is like he is having russian spies into the oval office by invite not letting american journalists in and giving them classified information it's not even like he had to make a secure call and sneakily give them this info he had them into the white house in the oval office and sat there smiling like a doofus and just revealed this classified information and where are the republicans where are the Republicans? The Republican Party is allowing this to happen. Well, here's one. It's just another scandal. It's just another scandal that unfortunately continues every... Only it's now accelerated. Watergate took many months, and this thing seems to be taking hours. Oh, well, that's interesting. That was John McCain, you know, the Republican's nominee for president in 2008. He compared this to Watergate. Not only did he compare this to Watergate, but he actually said that Watergate was a little more drawn out and not, you know, there weren't as many scandals. John McCain was alive when Watergate happened. I mean, he was active in the government. Again, and this is something I've said on this show many times before, and I will say it more times probably tonight. John McCain is someone who has seen this stuff and he knows what he's talking about. He lived through Watergate. He knows when stuff is not right. 
He's a person who knows more about certain things than you do and I do. And that's okay, and we should listen to him. Also last Tuesday, the Times, the New York Times, reported that Israel provided the classified intelligence that President Trump discussed in the Oval Office, meeting with Russians. So he totally betrayed and screwed the trust of one of our closest allies in the entire world. Okay, let that sink in for just a minute. Oh, by the way, um, speaking of Watergate, a woman named Jill Winebanks, she was one of the special prosecutors in Watergate. And she made an appearance on Brian Williams' show, The 11th Hour, last week, talking about all that's been going on. And here's what she had to say. Again, she didn't just watch Watergate. She wasn't just alive when Watergate happened. She was one of the special prosecutors in Watergate. Here's what she had to say. We are well on our way to impeachment because I think there's a clear set of facts that show obstruction of justice. Uh, Having prosecuted the Watergate case and seen obstruction up close, I could say this is exactly the same thing. Firing Comey is exactly what happened when you fire Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor. You're interfering with an investigation. You're trying to get it to shut down. And now we have the added memo that shows that he asked Comey to stop investigating Flynn in addition. So instead, he's pursuing a totally phony investigation of voter fraud, of which there is no evidence, while trying to shut down the investigation of Russian hacking and Russian interference with our democracy. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't really even thought about that. That is such a good and astute point. Donald Trump spent, well, hell, he spent months and months, and he has spent months, even as president, barking about this. So many people voted illegally, okay? If I had gotten all the legitimate votes, I would have won the popular vote by like 50 bajillion, and, okay? He actually was pushing and is pushing for an investigation into voter fraud that doesn't exist. All the while saying that all this litany of evidence about a litany of shady dealings, Russia, collusion, uh, obstruction of justice, emoluments clause violations, multiple emoluments clause violations, all this stuff, totally a witch hunt, okay? I've made millions of billions of dollars. I have a great company, okay? And excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right, so... That's what's happening. This is real life, people. Our country's going to hell. All right, that was Tuesday. That was only Tuesday. We're two days into the week. On Wednesday, and I actually heard this speech live. I I never usually listen to him, even the recordings, but I heard this one live because I happened to be watching CNN at the time. Donald Trump went to, this was his first public appearance since being totally exposed as probably a treasonous traitor who will probably end up in jail. He went and he spoke at the commencement ceremony for the Navy, and he stuck to script for the most part, but you know him, he can't actually stick to script, skip, stick to script from beginning to end. So at one point he actually said, no politician in history, and I say this with complete surety, has been treated worse or more unfairly. First of all, I think as you and I both know, and any fifth grader knows surety is not a word you are stupid that was the president i say this with complete surety surety Uh uh-huh 
I think the word he must have been looking for was certainty, but I, I can't be sure because that's not that obscure of a word. And if he couldn't think of certainty, um, I'm pretty certain that he uh, isn't fully functional in the brain. But that's not the point. Everybody takes me very seriously. The point is this. He was speaking at a commencement ceremony. Uh, excuse me. It wasn't the Navy. It was at the Coast Guard Academy. This was on Wednesday. And instead of saying, talking to them about their lives and the good they're going to do, he said, look, in your lives, people are going to attack you. It won't be warranted, maybe. Uh, look at what's happening to me, okay? I'm worth many billions of dollars. And that's when he said no politician in history, and he's saying it with total charity, has been treated worse or more unfairly. Now, let's think about this for just a second. Uh, Nelson Mandela spent years in jail. Abraham Lincoln was shot dead in the back of the head, and as we know, he was not the only president to actually be murdered. Uh, no, I don't believe that at all. But he says with total surety that no one's been treated worse or more unfairly. That is a dumb, stupid, easily avoidable thing to say. I loved it. Oh my God. Like, you are such a dumbass. All right, later in that same day, the Justice Department appointed Robert Mueller III. He was the former FBI director to serve as, yes, say it with me, a special prosecutor. Oh, excuse me, special counsel to oversee the investigation into Russian meddling into the election. Sing it from the church tops. Sing it from the rooftops. A special independent counsel has been named to head up the investigation of the Trump administration and Russian interference with the U.S. election. The department naming former FBI chief Robert Mueller as special counsel. The decision a bow to the growing pressure from Capitol Hill after the president's firing of FBI director James Comey, who was leading his own Russia investigation and the cascade of stunning developments this week that have followed. Up until today, President Donald Trump has had the ability to control almost every news cycle. From this day forward, he no longer has control. And instead, if you will, of being the hunter, he becomes the hunted. Hell yes, Dan Rather. You sing it. You say it. We love you. I love Dan Rather. And I think what happened to him, never mind. Um, this is good. This is big news. While a special counsel would remain ultimately answerable to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and by extension the president, Mueller is very known, very well respected. He will do a very good, thorough job. As Leon Panetta said, this president, any president, cannot run away from the truth. Damn straight. Also, uh, Mueller will have greater autonomy to run an investigation than any United States attorney would. All right. Also, same day, according to a report from McClatchy on Wednesday, during the transition last January, Mr. Flynn stopped a military plan developed by the Obama administration to fight against the Islamic State, a decision that aligned with the interests of Turkey. Now, during this period... Flynn failed to disclose that Turkey paid him $500,000 to represent their interests in the United States. Okay, that was still on Wednesday. Still Wednesday here on Wednesday evening. Holy God. The New York Times reporting Michael Flynn told President Trump's transition team weeks before the inauguration that he was under federal investigation for secretly working as a paid lobbyist for Turkey during the campaign. Despite the warning, Mr. Trump made Flynn his national security advisor. What? Holy sweet mother of God shit. That is a... You didn't get a whole lot of coverage because, hey, we're in the era of Trump when you can't even stick to a story for an hour because 
probably later that day, something bigger and crazier is going to happen. But that's a big deal. People seem to forget that when Flynn resigned, what did the White House say? The White House said that it was because he had lied to the vice president. Lied to the vice president? The vice president, Mike Pence, who was also the head of the Trump transition team, well, he told CBS, NBC, he told all the major news outlets that he had never heard of this. He had never heard of Flynn working for the Turkish government. He had never heard anything about it. He couldn't believe it. And that was in, like, March. This says that Flynn, he revealed it himself. He told the Trump transition team that he was under federal investigation. And the Trump people still hired him. What the hell is going on here? That was Wednesday. Okay. Now, before we move on to Thursday, actually, no. Okay, we'll come back to that. So remember the Michael Flynn thing and the timing thing. On Thursday, May 18th, James Comey told a friend named Benjamin Witz that he was dismayed by Mr. Trump's attempt to build some kind of weird personal relationship with him. He was calling him up just to chit-chat. There was one story that was told about how Comey was Getting, he was on the tarmac getting ready to fly to, I think, Virginia or something to speak to uh, the bureau there when the phone rang and someone said, it's the White House. And Comey thought to himself, what? He thought, oh, my God, this has never happened. The White House never calls me. It must be really critical and important. Hello, Mr. President. Hey, James, what's up? How's it going? Did you see my crowd size? Yeah, it was huge. It was so huge. I loved it. He just wanted to chit-chat. And Comey was like, what? What is this about? Eventually, Comey actually told Trump, Mr. President, if you need to speak with me or if you want to check in on some the status of an investigation, you need to take the proper procedures. You have to have your counsel contact whoever in the FBI bureau. Like, you cannot be calling me directly. What is wrong with you? I mean, I don't know. The president, according to a Yahoo report published on Thursday, Mr. Flynn and the president remained in touch even after the national security advisor was fired. And and Mr. Flynn was told to stay strong by Trump after he was fired. So, oh my God. So it wasn't even that he was still hired as National Security Advisor, a position that you don't fuck around with. God, I mean, this is just, it's like it's, it's hard to even fathom it, even though you know it happened and you know it's true. On Thursday morning, President Trump referred to a witch hunt against him and insisted there was no collusion between his campaign and Russia. At the White House later, he denied any collusion, adding, I can only speak for myself, implying that at any point he will be happy and willing and eager to throw anyone else under the bus that he has to in order to save his own disgusting ass. Certain people are zeros. New York Times reported that several advisors have encouraged the president to hire an outside lawyer to deal with the Russia investigation, which threatens to linger over his term. Okay, that was Thursday. On Friday, May 19th. We learned that President Trump told Russian officials in the Oval Office this month that firing Mr. Comey had relieved great pressure on him, according to a document summarizing the meeting. According to a White House document, the White House wrote down that President Trump told the Russians that by firing Comey, who was, quote, a nut job, I just fired the head of the FBI. He was crazy, a real nut job. That's a quote from President Dumbass. When he said that, he said that it relieved great pressure. That is called, he fired him to relieve great pressure about the Russia investigation. That is obstruction of justice. And I'm not a lawyer, believe it or not. But even I, a layman dumbass like me, can know when someone is doing certain things in order to save their own ass, including firing 
investigators, federal investigators, not just a federal investigator, but the head of the FBI. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand it. Same night, Thursday night, the Washington Post reported that a senior White House official has been identified as a person of interest in the investigation of Russia's ties to the Trump campaign. Holy God, what? So not just, not only did Trump campaign people have certain connections and communications with Russians, but there is currently, right now, a senior advisor in the White House, a senior official in the White House, who has been identified as a person of interest, who is a suspect by the FBI. Uh, I hope they take some action soon because you can't just have a suspected treason traitor, treasonous traitor, working as a senior official in the White House. What is going on here? Same day, President Trump left for his first trip overseas on Friday afternoon. Oh, I'm sure that went really great. <laughs> by the way, that trip, it was nine days long. He apparently asked earlier in the week, if they could possibly take it down to five. I like sleeping in my own bed, okay? It's the best bed. It's worth billions of dollars. We're all a little chubby. Okay. Are you understanding everything I just said? People are stupid and incompetent. Here's more. The first stop on the nine-day trip was Saudi Arabia, which is negotiating a $110 billion arms deal with us, the United States. Jared Kushner, the guy who doesn't speak, he's mute, and his Trump son-in-law, he played a key role. Trump also visited Israel, which I'm sure went really well, Belgium and Italy. The Associated Press reported that Sherry A. Dillon, President Trump's lawyer, didn't want him to certify that the information in his 2016 financial disclosure was true, which means it was not true, and which means there's a, probably another bombshell in the works. And lastly, and this is on Friday, I'm not even talking about anything that happened on Saturday or Sunday, CNN reported last Friday in the evening that during the campaign, Russian officials bragged that they could use Mr. Flynn to influence the president. Officials in CNN's report cautioned that it's possible, not likely, but possible the Russians were exaggerating the strength of their relationship, but who gives a shit? They're saying that stuff. I mean, this is really happening. So, all this collusion, you know, all this talk of, this is real. This could be real. And when people talk about Trump's impeachment, which, by the way, people are talking about now, it's finally coming up the question, well, what would happen if he was impeached? And that's a good question. And that's the sad question, because a lot of people are realizing, oh, well, that would just mean if President Mike Pence, right? Well, not necessarily. Don't get your hopes up, because I'm not saying it's going to be anything great or anything even better. But it doesn't necessarily mean Mike Pence would take over. You see, remember what I was just talking about with Mike Pence being the head of the transition and acting completely ignorant and like, hey, I've never heard of any of this when it comes to Mike Flynn. That is impossible to be true, which means it was a lie. It had to have been a lie. They keep denying things that then turn out to be true. They keep saying, we know everything there is to be known, and then more comes out. They started off by denying there had been any contacts whatsoever, not even one, between anybody in the Trump campaign and any Russian official. I'm asking you a direct question. Was there any contact in any way between Trump or his associates and the Kremlin or cutouts they had? I, I joined this campaign in the summer, and I can tell you that uh, all the contact by the Trump campaign and associates was with the American people. Sir, I'm just trying to get an answer. Yeah, I, I, there, of course not. 
Why would there be any contacts? Did any advisor or anybody in the Trump campaign have any contact with the Russians who were trying to, to meddle in the election? Oh, of course not. That was scoldy-faced, <laughs> soon-to-be Vice President uh, Mike Pence speaking on January 15th, denying, of course not, of course not, that there had been any contact whatsoever between the Trump campaign and the Russians while the Russians were attacking the presidential election to benefit the Trump campaign. Mike Pence was blunt in his response to those questions. He looked very earnest, even scolding. But you know what? Those answers were not true. When he said there was no contact, there were multiple contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian officials while the Russians were attacking the U.S. presidential election. We know that now. We know that from bombshell free press reporting, like the New York Times on February 14th, when they reported that phone records and intercepted calls showed that members of Trump's presidential campaign and other Trump associates had repeated contacts with senior Russian intelligence officials in the year before the election. Mike Pence had flat out denied that there had been any contacts. The administration initially tried to quash those reports. We're learning tonight they even asked the FBI director to help quash those reports. But those reports have been borne out over and over and over again by subsequent reporting. And the White House itself has ultimately had to admit that, yes, there were multiple contacts between Russian officials. And not just people on the campaign, but people who eventually ended up serving in high-level positions in the new government. People like Jared Kushner. People like Attorney General Jeff Sessions. People like National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. They've admitted that there were all those contacts after they said there were no contacts. The White House has never explained, Vice President Mike Pence has never explained why they so bluntly asserted that there were no contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian officials when they later had to admit that there were, and kind of a lot of them. They never made that right. And now that's getting worse. Not just because we're now learning about, even to this day, another 18 contacts with Russian officials that we hadn't had disclosed before Reuters reported it in the last 24 hours. No, now it's getting worse. Because when it comes to Mike Flynn, they have absolutely no way to account for their false public statements specifically about him. This is about the White House. This is about the vice president and his public statements that are very clearly not true on this matter. And they have not yet either cleaned them up or explained why they were false in the first place. Well, they've tried to. You see, they've the White House and anyone who's ever worked for or closely with Trump has been clinging to this story that the reason Mike Flynn was fired was because simply he lied to the vice president. He wasn't totally upfront with him and honest. That would mean that Mike Pence didn't know anything about him working for Turkey or having any communication with Russians or he was totally in the dark and and Mike Flynn should have told him that, and he didn't. So he was dishonest and therefore had to be fired. Well, that's that doesn't seem right. But it was said. It was said a lot. Michael Flynn has filed with the Department of Justice as a foreign agent for making more than $500,000 as a lobbyist, essentially, for Turkey. Your reaction to that, considering that doesn't that mean, Mr. Vice President, that even if he didn't lie to you about what the Russian ambassador said or didn't say, that you would have had to fire him anyway? Let me say, hearing that story today was the first I heard of it. And um, I fully support the decision that President Trump made to ask for General Flynn's resignation. You're disappointed by the story? Uh, the first I heard of it. That was March 9th. Vice President claiming, first I heard of it. He had never before, never before that day, 
heard anything about Mike Flynn having done any lobbying work for Turkey. He was blindsided by this news, almost dumbfounded by hearing it. Where is this coming from? After Election Day, there had been multiple press reports documenting that Mike Flynn was doing paid work for Turkey. November 18th, the Congress, Congressman Elijah Cummings from the Oversight Committee, sent to the head of the Trump transition a letter about what appeared to be Mike Flynn's paid work for the government of Turkey. It had previously been reported in March, not, not once, but twice during the transition. Mike Flynn and his lawyers notified the Trump transition formally that he had been doing paid lobbying work for the government of Turkey. Now, in today's New York Times, that story got considerably worse with reporting that not only was Mike Flynn's work for Turkey the subject of lots of press reports and the subject of a congressional letter of notification to the head of the transition, and it's something that he told and his lawyers told to the transition. According to the latest report on Flynn in the New York Times, the transition wasn't just multiply notified that he was doing paid lobbying work for Turkey. They were notified twice that he was under federal investigation for doing paid lobbying work for the government of Turkey. And at the time, all of those notifications about Mike Flynn were going into the transition. The head of the transition was Mike Pence. What? The head of the transition was Mike Pence. <laughs> But weeks and months later, he was still trying to say, golly, you know, I never heard any of that. You're disappointed by the story. Uh, the first I heard of it. First I heard of it. Vice President Mike Pence has made a number of blunt, direct, false statements related to the Trump-Russia investigation, both during the transition and since he has been vice president. When controversy started to swirl around Mike Flynn because of his foreign contacts, Mike Pence bluntly asserted that the Trump transition had not applied for a security clearance for Mike Flynn's son. They had actually applied for a security clearance for Mike Flynn's son. After the president fired the FBI director, Mike Pence bluntly asserted that the decision to fire James Comey was based on a recommendation from the deputy attorney general. The president himself and reportedly the deputy attorney general himself now today have both made clear that that was not the reason James Comey was fired. Mike Pence has also bluntly, boldly asserted that James Comey was not fired for anything having anything to do with the Trump-Russia investigation. The president himself now admits that what he was thinking when he made the decision to fire Jim Comey is that he was thinking about how much he hated that Trump-Russia investigation. Mike Pence has bluntly asserted that there were no Trump campaign contacts with the Russian government. That is not true. He has bluntly asserted that he had no idea that Mike Flynn had a paid relationship with any foreign country's government. That would seem to be impossible given his role in the transition and the number of times and the number of ways that transition was formally notified, including in writing, of those ties. And of course, Mike Pence has the starring role in the big unanswered question about Mike Flynn's time in the White House which is why they let him stay on as national security advisor for 18 days after the Justice Department came to the White House and told them that Mike Flynn was compromised by the Russians and was vulnerable to Russian blackmail. Why did he stay on for another 18 days thereafter? In the end, they said he had to go because he had lied to Mike Pence. But why does a lie to Mike Pence take 18 days to flower <laughs> before it has any consequences? for something as serious as a foreign government having its tentacles that far into the upper reaches of the national security chain of command at the top of the U.S. government. Mike Pence apparently formed a political action committee this week. Maybe he's looking at his boss's troubles in the Russia scandal and starting to imagine himself becoming president. Mike Pence has his own troubles 
when it comes to this scandal. Oh, yes, he does. And frankly, he might be a scarier, worse president than Trump anyway. Not to say I don't think Trump's going to be impeached. I never said, look, I'm on the record as far back. there. If you ever listen to our show as a podcast, scroll back, find the episode called The Fall of Trump. I'm on the record from back probably in February or early March saying that I don't think Trump's going to last at all. I don't I didn't I didn't specify probably, but I said he would either be impeached, resign, maybe have health problems and die. Who knows? He doesn't look well. How's Trump's health? Does he hate it? Does he go crazy? He talks about eating fast food and never exercising. So who knows what will happen? But the bottom line is this. If Trump's gone, it becomes Mike Pence. If Mike Pence is indicted and he's gone, it becomes, oh, God, Paul Ryan. No! If Paul Ryan, for some reason, didn't wasn't able to take the job, it would become Orrin, Orrin Hatch. So there is no good option here. And screwing up the last election, whether it was Russia or my fellow whatever people, whoever did it, it doesn't matter. It's over. Screwing it up last last election is really really bad. And with that, I'll leave this subject. But let me put it this way. I said, I mentioned how Donald Trump hired uh, and has been kind of conversing and comforting Mike Flynn, despite all of this reported info, and despite the fact that Mike Flynn warned Donald Trump himself. Even Mike Flynn said, don't hire Mike Flynn. And you know what? I'm not sure that's an isolated case. I think someone else might have warned about himself. Who was it? The FBI now has multiple open criminal investigations into Hillary Clinton. And now she's going to run the country. She'll be under investigation for years. She'll be with trials. I mean, we went through it with him with the impeachment and the lies. Aren't we tired of this stuff? This election will determine whether we remain a free country in the truest sense of the word, or we become a corrupt banana republic controlled by large donors and foreign governments. This is collusion and corruption of the highest order, and is one more reason why I ask my attorney general, I will ask, to appoint a special prosecutor. Wow. I think Donald Trump warned us. At least he told us what was going to happen. And I have to say, those are the only campaign promises he has kept. You're listening to The Next Best Thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner, and we're going to be right back to discuss our main story of the night. Leon Panetta. No, it's not Leon Panetta. We'll be right back. 